welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Great Detectives. Our listener support campaign continues. You can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go to Patreon.GreatDetectives.net. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of I Hate Crime. This is episode four that originally aired back in 1949. Let's go ahead and take a listen. The dame was running. Was running just as fast as a beautiful gams would take her. That in itself was okay. If a gal wants to exercise, let her exercise. What I took exception to was the guy behind her. It was near the loo, an old warehouse. The dame came to a dead end. The guy stopped running. The dame had her back against the wall. The guy advanced slowly towards her. He had a gun in his hand. That's when I entered the proceedings. Hold it, Buster. Don't turn around. Or... What's in? The guy fired. Missed. I fired. Did. Ooh. Okay, now let's see what this is all about. Uh, pick up his gun, will you? All right. Oh, my arm. What are you talking about? I only winged you. What's your name, Buster? Eileen Selassie. Oh, you ought to go on the amateur hour. Something tells me you're a bit of an amateur yourself. I didn't get his meaning till it was too late. The girl moved around the back of me and then... fellas with sledgehammers were at work inside my skull. Uh, I pushed myself to my feet. Stood there swaying for a while. Finally, focused my eyes enough to look at the luminous dial of my wristwatch. 10.20 p.m. I'd been out for at least five minutes. The girl and the guy were gone. I couldn't figure it. But I didn't like the idea of saving a blonde's life and then have her massage the back of my skull with a gun butt. So I decided to do something about it. The club kitty near the cross isn't the sort of place you take your maiden aunt. But it's the sort of place where you find information agents like Bluey Porter... Good eye, Kent. How you going, eh? Hiya, Bluey. <laughs> oh, sorry, eh, Kent? Sit down, will you? Thanks. I'll uh, introduce you to a nice shield later on, if you like. No, thanks, no. Eh? Oh, gee, you're feeling bad, are you? Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I got a job for you, Bluey. A job, eh? Uh-huh. Oh. Oh, oh. Oh, well, I've been pretty busy, like, uh, lately, Kent. I don't think I can sort of fit it in. Uh, not at the usual rates, that is. Well, you know how it is. It's supply and demand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Now, if uh, you're through romanticizing... Hey? I want you to find a girl for me. Girl, eh? Yeah, a girl. Yeah? Now, before I came here, I stopped at home made a sketch of her. What do you mean? Here, here. Look at this now. Ah. <laughs> gee, I... Oh, gee. <laughs> You ain't a bad artist. Well, I think it's a pretty accurate picture, right down to the legs. I'll say. Yeah, right there. 
I, uh, you sure you didn't sort of, uh, <laughs> you know, like, uh, exaggerate? No, I mean, you know, no, like no. it's a... It's a scale drawing, Bluey. Gee, eh? Oh, what a humbinger. What a bobby dazzler. Ah, gee, no wonder you want to find her. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, what's her name? Well, I don't know, but I got to look at the initials on a purse. L.M. L.M.? See, that can help. Blonde, eh? Yeah. Eyes? Blue. Eh? I, I, I figure she's a model or in show business, Bluey. Now, you, you know a lot of the hangers-on in both rackets. If you mean, Kent, I have associates in both businesses, you're just about right, Kent. Okay, okay, associates. I'll call them anything you want, but locate that dame. Well, blimey, I've never found her yet, have I? Do you really want me to answer that? Oh, well, like, there was once or twice when, uh, due to causes outside me control, like... Yeah, uh, yeah, I had to uh, uh, Yes, well, now, remember. like, uh, about the rates. Because, look, I'm really so busy, Kent, the demand's so big for me that the... Five of... quid a day, Bluey. Twenty-five when you find her. Right. So, you find her on the first day, and you've done fine. Yeah, well, thank you very much, all the same, but I'm not satisfied with those rates, Kent. Bluey! I... Remember the time I kept my mouth shut about a little packet of diamonds? Yeah. Well, I've still got a receipt you signed. Eh? Yeah. And customs would very much like now, to... Now, what you think? Wait, wait a minute. Now, <laughs> can't you take a joke? <laughs> oh, you always fly off the handle, don't you? <laughs> all right, Kent. All right, all right, all right. Just face it up. Uh, seeing as we're good coppers, I'll, uh, I'll be magnanimous. I'll take the job at your rates. With, uh, like, uh... <laughs> You know, like uh, an advance, maybe, eh? Uh-huh. Here it comes. You haven't changed much, have you? No, thank you. Now, uh, here we are. Fiver. Fiver. You couldn't make it... No. Ah. Oh. Oh, okay, Kent, okay. I'll get busy for you first thing in the morning. Louis checked by phone in the morning. Then I didn't hear from him for two days. Finally, I went to the dirty little tenement where he lived. I knocked on his locked door for a couple of minutes, figuring he might be sleeping off a rum bout, and then... Here, here, here. What's all this, eh? What's going on here? Oh, uh, good morning. Uh, I'm looking for Bluey Porter. Well, he ain't in. Well, do you have any idea of where he is? That might be according to who's asking. And Why? And maybe one or two other things. Well, first, I'm a friend of Bluey's. He uh, was doing a job for me. Ha! That's real funny. What is? Anybody being a friend of that rabbit-faced little weasel. Well, we, we, we've got a sort of understanding. Uh, anyhow, uh, you see this? Oh, me eyesight's pretty good. That's a quid note. Mm-hmm. Now, you tell me where I can find Bluey, and it's yours. Oh, can't buy much with a quid these days. Well, look. Suddenly it's two quid. Hmm. That's a little better. It's as good as it's going to get. Now, where's Bluey? Surfer's Paradise. Took a plane yesterday morning. Surfer's Paradise? Well, where would he get the dough to go there? All I know is he bought a new suit. Paid me a month's rent in advance... Phoned for a taxi and off he went. Even showed me his air ticket. Thanks. I checked at the airline office. 
A Mr. Bertram Carlyle Porter had boarded a plane for surface paradise. So the next morning, a Mr. Larry Patrick Kent boarded another plane for the same destination. I found Bluey on the beach. <laughs> he was wearing a pair of bright red trunks with yellow crayfish in the design. I came up behind him. He was pulling at a bottle of rum. <laughs> the next thing I did made Bluey think one of the crayfish had come to life. Hey, 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 hey. Hello, Bluey. Ah, oh, Kent. Well, ah, oh, Jay Kent. Fancy making you way up here. Yeah, fancy. Yeah, <laughs> never figured on seeing you here. Well, what are you doing way up here, Bluey? Ah, uh, well, uh, <laughs> well, I was working so hard, you see, and a bloke should have at least one holiday a year. So, <laughs> well, you know, here I am. <laughs> what are you doing up here, like, eh? Oh, same thing, more or less. Ah, gee, that's mm -hmm. fine. That's fine. Ah. That's a good aunt. Yeah, I need a holiday, too. Yeah, you look it. Uh, I, uh, you know, uh, ain't got no hard feelings, nothing like that. Hard feelings? Yeah. No, Bluey. Now, to prove I feel just like I've always felt about you, I'm going to invite you to my room for a drink, how's that? A drink, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a nice bottle of scotch up there. Come on, let's go. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> You know, I always say there's nothing like having a drink with an old cobbler. That's what I always say. We walked across the sand, over the road, and into the beachfront hotel. My room was on the second floor. After you, Bluey, old pal. Ah, thanks, Cobb. Yeah, real nice little room you got here, isn't it? Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, they must slug you a bit for it. Hey. You lock on the door, Kent. Mm-hmm. Now I'm putting the key in my pocket. You see? Yeah. Hey, Kent. <laughs> ah, don't look at me like that. Now, don't look at me like that. You chiseling little rat. Hey, rat. Who gave you the door to come up here, Bluey? Why, nobody. I've been saving me money. I've been reading those ads, you know. Uh, quit a week I've been putting away, so I was like... <coughs> no, 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 you know, I've got high blood pressure. I asked you a question, Bluey. Who paid you to come up here? Well, like I said... I hate to do this, old cobber. No, 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 I no, sent you looking for no. a blonde whose initials were L.M. and you found her, didn't you? Now listen, Kent, old copper, listen, I have a bit of art. You found her, didn't you, Bluey? Yeah. Oh. No. Okay. No, wait, 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 wait a minute. Oh, you're an hasty, tasty. Well, come on, start no, talking. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'll go. There, Dick, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I didn't find the Sheila. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't swing that dirty big leg of mutton at me. Listen, listen, don't lose yet. No more peace. But me blood pressure won't stand it. I got varicose veins, I got split headaches, I and I got me, me sinus troubles. Me, look, uh, look. I, uh, wait a minute, wait. I'll tell you how it happened. I'll tell you how it happened. Go on. Well, look. A friend of mine in a rag game said he thought the Sheila might be a model. See, so he asked questions for me, and uh, I saw him a few hours later, and well, he just clammed up on me. He wouldn't say a word. Well, you know, like in the excitement and, and wanting to do a good job for you. Uh, I'm yeah, always... your blood pressure, yeah, I know. Yes, and, and me veins, you know. And your sinus. And me sinus, yes. Thank you. Oh, you're very sympathetic. Well, I walked around for a while, you see, and you know what? Somebody followed me. He was a big bloke. Busted nose? Yeah, that's right. That's him. That's him. 
Anyway, he caught up with me, you see. You, you, you can still see the red marks under me. Yeah, well, come on, keep talking. Well, 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 after he did me over a little, he pushed me into a black car and we saw a bloke named Harry Cassidy. The speculator. That's him, that's him, which is a good way to say racketeer. Anyhow, Cassidy said, why was I looking for the girl? And I said that it was confidential, and then he let me have it again. And he could punch harder even than that other bloke. Well, I made a, quite a fight of it for a while. You know, I chucked the left, right... And Come on, get to the right. point. Yeah, well, all right. Well, the point is, they forced me to tell them about you. So they give me some dough to come up here and forget about the blonde. They told me to stay up here for at least a month. Did they now? Yeah. Well, we're going to disappoint them, Bluey. Hey? Yeah, we're going down to Sydney. Now, look, Kent. Now, look, I'm, I like up here. We're That's... going down. And we're going to see Mr. Harry Cassidy. Yeah, I was afraid of that. You know how we're going to end up, don't you, Kent? How? Ruddy shark bait. Louie and I caught the next plane down to Sydney. After landing at Mascot, we went straight to my apartment. Ah, oh, gee. I need a drink, Kent. Here, Dinkum, I need a drink. Yeah, help yourself and pour me one. Ah, oh, yes, good Good uh, I certainly hope you know what you're doing, Kent. That there Cassidy bloke's a tough customer, believe me. And so is that right-hand man of his. His right-hand man was chasing a dame after I took his gun away. She whacked me over the head with it. I want to know why. Look, I'll tell you what, why. We should have stayed up at Surface Paradise. That's the why. Listen, you know, there was a sheer up there who almost talked to me. She came up that... Oh, it doesn't matter. No good romanticizing. Here's your drink. Thanks. Well, cheers. Yeah, here's to a short, happy life. Hi. Hi. Oh, strike me. Don't I say things like that, Kent. I tell you, look, this Cassidy bloke's real tough. Fair dinkum. But where does he come into it? Why didn't he want me to locate that blonde? Why was his boy after her with a gun? Why did he send you all the way up to Surface Paradise? Well, I don't know. And to tell you the truth, I ain't too interested. Yeah, but you and me, we're going to find out what gives, Bluey. I hope you don't expect me to do no action work like uh, shooting or nothing like that. You see, your you trigger finger, I, uh, I, like, uh, I sprained it a couple of months ago. And, well, it ain't never been the same since. It's sort of, you know, like it palpitates all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, right now. Oh, well, thanks. I, I knew you'd understand, Kent. Of course, I'd like to help you out if it comes to shooting, but, uh, you know, me trigger finger. You well, know. don't worry, Bluey. I don't expect you to make like Humphrey Bogart. Just sit near that phone, that's all. Phone, eh? Yeah. Well, it's now just after three. If I don't get in touch with you by five, get on to Inspector Daniels. Hey, where you going, Kent? To see Harry Cassidy. <laughs> Harry Cassidy had a suite of offices that took up the entire ninth floor of the Metropolitan Building. In the general office were six dames, three blondes, two brunettes, a redhead. They looked as though they might have been picked right out of the chorus line, and that's exactly how Harry Cassidy had got them. <laughs> they gave me the up and down coldly. When I asked for the direction of Harry's office, one of them pointed. They were about as warm as Eskimo pies. But the dame who sat behind a desk in the inner office, ah, she was different. Hello. Hello. Something I can do for you? Yeah, that's right, Doris. Vivian. Well, how do you do, Vivian? I'm Larry. 
Well, hello, Mr. Larry. Kent. Oh. Well, looks to me like the name rings a loud bell. It's uh, possible. Hmm, it's too bad it's not your uh, personal bell. I'll find out if Mr. Cassidy will see you. You know darn well he'll see me. If you'll please be seated. Oh, suddenly your old business. Oh, this is a business office. Yes, what is it, Vivian? Uh, Mr. Larry Kent to see you, Mr. Cassidy. Send him in. Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Cassidy. I heard. You know, uh, it's too bad. What's too bad? You're the only warm dame in the organization, and you've got Cassidy's stamp on you. It could be that you're not as smart as you think. Well, this is one time when I wouldn't mind apologizing. Mr. Cassidy's office is right in front of you. Walk straight in. Thank you. Uh, if I should yell for help... The office is soundproof. I wouldn't hear. Mm, that's what I thought. I'll see you some more, Vivian. Maybe. Yeah. That's just what I was thinking. <coughs> Harry Cassidy sat behind a huge desk. Cassidy was a fashion plate right off the pages of Esquire. He was a good-looking in a big-jawed, narrow-eyed way. A movie director would type him as a suave crook. <laughs> I had another name for him because he peddled dope and there were rumors about white slavery. Well, you look just like your pictures in the paper, Kent. Saw you on the front page a few weeks ago when you got back from the States. I saw your picture once, too. Something about peddling dope to teenagers. Suspicion, Kent, that's all. Suspicion. Which is just another way of saying the cops couldn't prove anything. Did you come here to start an argument? I came here to ask you about the blonde. Blonde? Yeah, the one the guy with the busted nose was chasing. You're not making sense. I hear the guy with the mashed beak is your gun cell. Where'd you get that? Oh, from a little snoop named Bluey Porter? Porter? Oh, come on. Climb down off your horse, Cassidy. You're not fooling anybody. Where's the blonde? I've got a few in the general office. Take your pick. The blonde who slugged me after I saved a life. Sometimes things aren't all they appear, Kent. Well, it's the same as admitting you know about the blonde. Who hired you? Nobody. And keep your nose clean. She slugged me. I don't like being slugged. And I don't like fellas getting in my hair. Oh, you won't get me out as easily as you got Bluey Porter out. Now, look. I don't like trouble. I go far out of my way to avoid trouble. So I'm going to make you an offer. You in the market? Maybe. Keep talking. I'll give you 250 cold to just forget about the blonde. Something tells me 250 isn't nearly enough, Cassidy. You want me to stay out of this for far more than 250 quid's worth now, don't you? I'm not used to fellas holding me over a barrel, Kent. What are you going to do about it? This? I didn't see you do anything. Hold it, Kent. Well, busted beak and a gun. Vince was waiting in the back room. All I had to do was touch a buzzer button with my foot. I'll bet you can even do algebra. He's smart, Mr. Cassidy. Just like they say. He's always got a wisecrack handy. Frisk him. Yeah. Turn round. I turned. Vince pulled the thirty-eight from my shoulder holster. <laughs> now he's got to get a lesson, Vince. Yeah. <laughs> what a lesson... Cassidy joined in to the... 
Bounce me back and forth. One more. There, that should do it. Maybe he hasn't had enough, Mr. Cassidy. Oh, we don't want to mark him up too badly. You're very big-hearted. I told you I don't like trouble, Kent. Here's further proof of it. 250 quid I shoved in your pocket. Now, forget about me and Vince, and forget about Lola. Lola, huh? Forget her. And make sure you do. Take the clip out of his gun, Vince, and give it back to him. Huh? Do as I say. Okay. Here you are, private eye. Thanks. Goodbye, Kent. It's been nice meeting you. Yeah. Don't forget to be smart, Kent. So long. Well, that interview didn't last too long. My, your eye is starting to swell. Does Cassidy ever beat you, too? I think you've got the wrong idea, Mr. Kent. Well, don't tell me he keeps you out here because you can actually type. You'd better go before I hit you over the head with the typewriter. I went. When I got home, Bluey was still sitting at the telephone table. There was an empty scotch bottle on the floor. I'm good, I can't. Hi, y'all. Come on, come on, come on. I think I'll get that way, too, Bluey. Huh? Yeah, we'll crack a bottle. Good, good, I'll good, I'll crack it. <laughs> Anything to be cracked sociable with an old cover. <laughs> Bluey's eyes weren't focusing. Oh, where's he? He didn't see the beautiful shiner I was sporting or the bruises on my jaw. I'll put a glass. I'll get your glass. He'd forgotten about Cassidy and just about oh, everything else. Sweet Adeline. Sweet Adeline. Shut up. I... I want to think. Oh, gee, think. Yeah, about Cassidy and the blonde. Huh? Hey. Got it. Got what? I looked at my watch. A quarter to five. I made a phone call. Cassidy? Harry Cassidy? Yeah. Yeah, that'll cost a lot more than usual, Kent. There's 50 in a shadow. 50, huh? Okay, Kent. I had a few more drinks with Bluey. He was romanticizing again. Yeah, really tough on the first war. Yes, sir. There was this machine gun there, you see. And they asked for volunteers. Sergeant Bree, the general said, you're the bravest bloke I ever did see. And I'm putting you in for the DSC. Tommy, Tommy is doping me in for the DSC. Well, of course, I said we were modest like that. Yeah. Hey, what's that? Larry Kent. Shadow here. Listen. I followed Cassidy from the Metro building. He didn't go to his place. He went to Coogee to a house on Beach Drive, number 234. Thanks, Shadow. I'll leave you 50 with my landlady in case something happens to me. A phone call, a ride in my car, and a back door. A skeleton key job. Third one worked. I walked down a long carpet runner. And then? I think Kent will stay out of it, Lola. If he doesn't, he is really dumb. You shouldn't have got that bee in your bonnet about running out on Mr. Cassidy, Lola. You should have known that nobody runs out on Mr. Cassidy. I I had an attack of conscience. I wanted to get out of the rackets. You can't afford a conscience in our business, honey. Once you're in, you stay in. 
Don't make the same mistake again, or Vince may not bring you back into the fold. All right, I'm over it now. That's the girl. You see, I couldn't let you run out. You know too much about me. I showed how things stood with me when I hit Kent over the, the head with a gun, didn't I? That's what saved you, honey. If you let Kent have Vince arrested, well, I'd have had to um, take care of you. Maybe you should have, Cassidy. What? Get him, Vince! I had an extra clip in my apartment, Cassidy. You... Don't go for the gun. Well, I told him not to. Lola, now you can exercise that conscience of yours. Listen, that'll be the cops I phoned. Better make up your mind. I... I should have trusted you in the beginning. She talked... She also gave me Vivian's surname. Later, the cops rounded up Cassidy's mob, but I wasn't worried about that. I got Vivian's address from a phone book, took her out to dinner. Then we went to my apartment for some, uh, coffee. Hi, Kent, I was just gonna... Yeah. Oh, company, right? Yeah, yeah, Bluey, uh, good night. Hi. Good night. Oh, but I'm going to wait a minute. I don't get just that time. Now, uh, let's see, uh, Vivian. I apologized to you for thinking you couldn't type, and then on the street corner... You did this. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, Larry. Brother. Good night. Welcome back. It is just like Larry Kent to shoot somebody and then figure out what's going on. And his whole, I only winged you comment was rich. I only winged you is a good indication that somebody's not going to die from being shot. You know, unless it gets infected. But it still hurts. I did not like Larry chasing after the informant to the island for a couple of reasons. First of all, flying out there is expensive, and there had to be a cheaper way to recover that ground and find out what had happened than chasing this guy down. Plus, uh, when... He started getting tough with him. You know, you've got this character with this really high, squeaky voice. It's like he was trying to shake down a member of the Chipmunks. Also, I like the secretary threatening to hit him over the head with a typewriter. Because when it comes to threatening to hit hard-boiled private eyes on the head who, you know, get hit over the head all the time, it really does come down to a sort of go big or go home sort of situation. A purse or a gun is not going to intimidate him. I got a typewriter here. Okay, I think I'll back off it for the moment. I will say this for Larry. He does utilize other investigators, which isn't something you hear in old-time radio outside of Nero Wolf. 
but it does make sense and you know it saves him some time plus as the program is establishing he is a bit of a famous investigator had his picture in the paper so he can use the services of more anonymous investigators to uh, achieve his ends. These first two episodes have been a little rough. To put it mildly, I'm trying to remember why I decided to run this series. I do think that the series does get a little bit better as it goes forward, perhaps when we get to the second writer of the series. Because right now, I'm not seeing how this show stayed on the air in Australia for 10 years. Although it was indeed very popular. And one story that I did find on the series is that he, you know, his use of all of these real-life locations in the episodes, you know, were such a big feature. And uh, they wrote into an episode at the end, he told, uh, like, a girl in the story that he would be at a certain address the next day, you know, the day after the program aired. So uh, the publicity department had the idea that he should show up at the uh, street corner, Ken Wayne, and he showed up there, and there was just a huge crowd there. And he spent a lot of time signing autographs. Hopefully at some point we'll get to uh, episodes that will give us an idea of why folks were so excited about this. But now we turn to announcing the winners of our drawing in the Sherlock Holmes giveaway. And uh, I'm going to announce the top five. Uh, the person who wins a first prize gets uh, the choice of either the Hound of the Baskervilles or the collection of Sherlock Holmes stories that were uh, promoted on the G. Washington Coffee radio program we heard. Uh, the second uh, place winner gets whatever the first place of those two books, whatever the first place winner didn't shows. The third place winner uh, will get a pullover hoodie in our newest t-shirt design, which should be coming out this fall. And then our uh, we have two fourth place winners who will each get uh, a t-shirt uh, in our new uh, design, again, coming out in the fall. So our top five winners, uh, Martin Birch uh, won first, Emily Jenkins won second, Tim Zalinga won third, uh, Valerie Fisher won fourth, and uh, Kristen Fink won fifth. Now, I have already, as of this recording, uh, which is just the day after the drawing concluded, I emailed uh, Martin and uh, waiting to hear back from him. And then I will be working down the list. Now, once I email Martin, then I'll email uh, Emily Jenkins and so on. If you are one of those five named individuals and you haven't heard from me, please do send me an email with your mailing address included in bo uh, to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Also check your spam folder. Now, I did also draw an additional five names. In case I'm not able to reach out to uh, the winners, after a reasonable period of time. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback and uh, have this from Eric, 
who writes regarding the Dreamhouse murder case. Is this the end of the series? You usually say something about it being the end, but I don't see it on the schedule for the rest of the month. I did find the next episode, The Case of Murder and the Million Dollar Smile on Internet Archive. If you aren't uh, playing it, I don't think it's a big loss. I think it's a bit better than the last two episodes, but not by much. This has been one of the weaker series you've played. Well, thanks for the question, Eric. Uh, in answer to the question, we're not playing um, Murder and the Million Dollar Smile because we already played it. That was one of two episodes that have been in circulation for years and years, and we played it uh, back in 2014. And the audio quality honestly was terrible. And they haven't had an episode that's come into circulation where we're getting better quality audio for that episode of Mr. Chameleon, so I don't see a need to replay it. As to whether we're done with Mr. Chameleon, we're this is going to be a very uh, unusual situation. We're done with it for now. What's, uh, what's happening with Mr. Chameleon is that episodes are coming into circulation, but at a rate of two per month. And reportedly, there are quite a few more that will come into circulation. Now, if I'd been dealing with this situation, say, you know, three or four years ago, I would just have pretty much waited for all of the episodes finished coming into circulation. However, as I've discussed before, we are running out of series to play on Great Detectives. And I do enjoy Mr. Chameleon. And in this particular case, episodes were coming into circulation from an earlier point in the series than we had played previously. So what I decided to do was to finish up with the episodes that we played, which were the latest episodes that are in circulation, except for the case of the Million Dollar Smile, which I already explained about. So Mr. Chameleon will be back, and my aim is to try to make as much sense of it as I possibly can under the circumstances circumstances. But I would expect that we will have at least a couple, three more blocks of Mr. Chameleon. And that will be either to rejoicing or gnashing of teeth, depending on your perspective. But thanks as always for the comment, Eric. And now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I do want to go ahead and thank Carrie. Carrie's been one of our Patreon supporters since August 2021, currently supporting us at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Carrie. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of I Hate Crime. But Tune in tomorrow for Dangerous Assignment, where... ...out on this gadget, checked out this cable car. You know how to operate it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is very simple. You see, this button starts the motor. Mm -hmm. So, now this lever, to go forward, we pull it back. And to go back, we push it forward. You know, that sounds real logical. We go forward. So... Hey, that bank sure drops away in a hurry. Yeah? How deep is this gully, anyway? I'm glad you asked that question, Herr Mitchell. What? I will let you find out for yourself how deep it is. Hey, what's the big... Uh-oh.
We know why you're in Switzerland, Mitchell. We cannot pay as much as uncle money bags. Therefore, we stop you before you arrive. Now, over the side. You mean jump just like that? I will help you with a bullet if you prefer. Now, look, Rudy. Why don't you play it smart? Take the money I brought and... And while I'm close, give you the opportunity to grab this gun. No, Herr Mitchell. We are trained to omit foolish mistakes. Look, uh, you said you were an army man. It will not help you to stall. I also remember from my midshipman days that... I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.